Let's hit it. And welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Welcome back, everyone, to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I hope you enjoyed our opening music. It's new, and it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band. And you can now download that on any of your favorite music platforms. So please feel free to go ahead and do that again. Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band. And for those of you that are new to our show, we are about sound news, not just sound bites. Our goal is really to raise all voices, big and small, from those diagnosed to those that care and serve, advocates and researchers, and, and so much more. So feel free to subscribe to our show. We would love for you not to miss a one of them. We are doing two shows one on Tuesday, one on Thursdays, and then we've added a special one on Sundays. It has to do with the COVID virus and finding out how people around the world are, are dealing with that. Now, our discussion we're going to be talking about today is going to be about leading with service and adapting to change with family means. But before I go there, I just want to do a couple of quick shout outs. One is to the Memory Cafe directory. They are now listing virtual memory cafes. So as you know, um, we, with social distancing, we can't meet in person anymore in most states. And so um, anyone is welcome to the virtual memory cafes and you can get a listing by going to memorycafedirectory.com. You also might wanna check out Live to Be Healthy. They are a fitness organization and they are also going online with a lot of their programs. So you can go to live and then the number two, the letter B, and then healthy, and they will pop right up and you can get more information. I also want to just let you know that all of our shows are archived. We've been doing this almost 10 years now. And um, our upcoming show is going to be on Thursday about money management and previous recent shows we just did. We had Sue Ryan on, who was a care partner, and then we had Christine Felker and Kate Swaffer, both living with dementia, who had their own shows as well. And last, I have to thank you, each and every one of our listeners, you know, for your likes, your clicks, your shares, your subscriptions on our various channels, not just the radio show, but we have a blog, a website, a YouTube channel, Facebook pages, etc., so thank you. Thank you so much. So let's, let's get talking to Jenny. Let me introduce you to her. Well, today's guest is Jenny West, and she is the community educator for caregiving and aging at Family Means in Stillwater, Minnesota. She has educated thousands of Twin City metropolitan area caregivers 
in their workplace and in community settings using both evidence-based and original uh, curriculum. She's responsible for community awareness and educational classes. And she also facilitates support groups in memory cafes and you know, just has these powerful tools for caregivers and is uh, considered a master trainer. So welcome, Jenny. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Lori, for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, I am thrilled to have you. I've, I've heard so much about Family Means and the work that they do, and uh, it'll be fun to share with our audience. But before we get started, can you just let, let our audience know if you've been personally touched by dementia, maybe in your family or circle of friends at all? Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah, you know, I believe in this day and age, everybody will be touched with dementia um, and know somebody. And I have had several family members with a diagnosis of dementia. Uh, and then here in my work at Family Means, I meet many people um, with a diagnosis. Wonderful. Well, why don't you, why don't we start with uh, telling us what is Family Means? You know, why the name and what do you do? Sure. Uh, Family Means has actually been around for over 50 years. Um, as you said, we're located in Stillwater, Minnesota, but we do have satellite offices around western Wisconsin and a few other locations here in Minnesota. But our primary programs that we have are uh, mental health counseling, whether that be for individual family, and we even have some of our staff um, in school settings um, to provide counseling from elementary school up to high school. We also have a financial solutions department where, where we have our staff that assist people in debt management, uh, bankruptcy, um, having those difficult conversations about how do I help save for money or save money in general, um, and they're there to answer those questions. We do have two youth programs also in Washington County, and then our caregiving and aging department uh, is seven people strong, uh, where we have various programs um, to help out the caregiver as well as individuals who have a diagnosis of dementia. Now, you've done some kind of innovative things over the years to help caregivers. Can you can you tell us what you're doing now around virtual reality and dementia education? Yeah, so we're really excited. Last October, um, I was actually, we actually became partners with Embodied Lab, who does virtual reality education. Um, last fall, I was actually hosting a birthday party uh, with my sister and we were trying to come up with something in the middle of March, which here in Minnesota sometimes is hard because the weather could be six feet of snow or a beautiful day. And what we came up with was going to REM 5 in St. Louis Park and it's a virtual reality gaming station. And we had so much fun. We had 14 family members there and I sat back during the birthday party and said, how cool is this opportunity? Uh, my 12-year-old son is having a snowball fight with my mother who is in her mid-70s. And it was just such, so intergenerational um, and such a neat opportunity for all of us to experience together and then also watch people doing this virtual reality. And so I 
came into the office and spoke to my supervisor and said, you know, this was so much fun. There has to be some education component in virtual reality. What do you think that could be? And lo and behold, we did some research and found Embodied Labs um, actually has education programs available already. Um, and so we were in conversation with them and kind of developing their education tools are specifically more geared towards senior settings. And we wanted to gear it towards our community at large, as well as the caregivers that we support on an ongoing basis. And so through some tweaks um, and some new development on our end, we're using those educational models out in the community, as well as one-on-one uh, -on -one sessions with our caregivers. Oh, neat. And what's the response been from them in terms of participating in this? Very overwhelming sometimes. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie. So the intention of our virtual reality sessions are you literally become the person with the dementia diagnosis. You are seeing what a day-to-day -day, uh, possibilities could be. Um, I really like the dialogue because as you embody this person, um, that individual talks to themselves. And so you have an idea of what's going on in their brain, uh, in their brain and what's happening, uh, just like you and I talk to ourselves probably on an ongoing basis. So that feels very real. And you're in this headset, which you see from their eyes, what are they seeing? Um, and what I really appreciate about the virtual reality experience is the you've got one model around Alzheimer's dementia and around in that model, there are three different journeys. And so the first journey um, with Alzheimer's is the early stages of Alzheimer's where she, where Beatrice um, is the woman who you become is experiencing some signs. She's still working. She's still a math teacher, but she's starting to have some issues. And so through that seven minute experience, you are really thrown into what those day-to-day -day experiences could possibly be like. Um, so when people see that, it really is an awakening of, oh my gosh, this could be really frustrating. Wow, I never thought of this component. You know, oftentimes, especially with a dementia diagnosis, you automatically go to, you're not going to remember your name um, or somebody else's name or directions or a recipe. And yes, that is true, but you also forget to realize that sound and your vision could potentially change too and be affected. And so it gives an opportunity for people to kind of pause and reflect about what they have noticed with the person that they're caring for and then how they can assist them better. Um, and that better component is what I really like because we want to meet the person who has dementia where they're where they're at. We don't want to give too much help. We don't want to give enough help, but we want to make sure that that person remains as independent as possible. And so what is that right level of care? And then through that journey, as I said, that's the first that's the first journey of the early stages of Alzheimer's. Then there are two other journeys that are more of the middle stages and then the potential the late stages of Alzheimer's. So you do one experience at a time, but it, it's an opportunity as you're able and ready and want to continue to the next 
stage. Um, we have had some caregivers that don't want to continue, which is quite all right. Um, and that's what I really appreciate is that it is chunked into that early, middle, and late. Um, so it allows the person who is wearing the headset in the virtual reality to go as far as they want to go. Well, that, that's neat. I know I've done you know, the virtual tours that are, that are out there right now and how disorienting you can become. And so, mm. you know, if a care partner is doing this, I can see where they can be a little overwhelmed, but yet it's so important for them to kind of see and feel the day-to-day -day frustrations and difficulties on a whole different level. I know I've seen, um, some people, and I don't know if this has happened with you, but just break down and cry going, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yes, that does happen. And so what we are doing actually, um, as we have begun promoting the virtual reality, um, we kind of have two different roadmaps that we're following. Um, I bring out the virtual reality out into the community um, and use the first signs and symptoms, the early stages as an educational tool. Um, for the community members just to say here, let's heighten the awareness, let's heighten the empathy, um, let's talk to the community members and decide what do you have the power to change and what do you have the power to control to help this person who is living with a dementia. Um, and that has been really rewarding and eye-opening. And then our two social workers utilize the virtual reality um, in their one-to-one -one coaching and consultation sessions with caregivers um, to go further into what is this um, disease like. You know, it's a great tool for education. Um, although we know that every dementia is different for everybody, um, these virtual reality experiences encompass a lot. And hopefully there is uh, something that they can find compatible um, within their dementia journey. And how then can they support the person that they care for, but also that self-care for the caregiver is so important um, to realize that they need to make sure that they don't burn out. And so it can be a great tool for, for both options of the community and then the one-to-one -one setting. Now, when you're, when you're talking about bringing out to the community, are those families or businesses or both? Right now, it's mostly families and the community at large. Uh, we do do a dementia-friendly at-work training um, for those companies that are interested in having that education for their employees, um, which has been really nice. And this is something that we could definitely could bring into it um, if they requested. Yeah, I can, so. I can see where that would open up a few eyes, too, in terms of, of how they're doing business. Well, that's, that's exciting. And can you, can you mention the company's name that you're working with again? Is it Embodied Labs? Yes, Embodied Labs. Okay, wonderful. Are there some other things that, you're, that Family Means also does to support caregivers and, and individuals with dementia? Yeah, we've got a couple different programs um, that really work well. Um, you know, as we have seen through the past decade, there are more and more diagnoses being given, probably at an earlier stage around dementia. Uh, which is good. It can be empowering for the person, but it can also be very scared, scary for that individual and the family 
just to receive that diagnosis. And so the first thing that we started back in 2016 um, is a 10-week educational series for both the person who has the diagnosis and for their caregiver, who's typically their spouse or partner, uh, but we have had adult children attend, and it's called Shaping Your Tomorrow. And this 10-week series um, is designed that every week we have a different topic. And so the first hour is education, where they are learning together in a small group around different themes. You know, our first week is obviously understanding memory loss and the dementia diagnosis. And so what we do is we individually make that first session around the diagnoses that are given to a person for that 10-week series. So sometimes it's Alzheimer's, sometimes it's MCI, Lewy body, it can be whatever diagnosis has been given. And then the preceding nine weeks after, um, it's talking about sharing that diagnosis with others. It's talking about daily strategies for independence. We talk about driving. <laughs> um, we talk about housing and you know, your calculated decisions. What are, how are you going to live going on into the future? Um, we talk about legal and financial issues. And so this is a really great opportunity where we've, the feedback that we've heard is they really appreciate that first hour of education. One, because we, sometimes we bring up the elephant in the room. We say, the, the, these are conversations that you should be having now. They're important conversations. Let's start talking about it. And they really appreciate that opportunity to learn it together. And then they have that week to discuss it. Sometimes we hear from participants like, oh, we already have that in place. Like, we feel pretty good. And then the next week, oh, I never even thought of that. Um, it's really nice because we keep that series into um, between four and six couples. And so we also learn from one another, which is a great opportunity. And that is the first hour of Shaping Your Tomorrow. And then the second hour of Shaping Your Tomorrow is peer support group where the caregivers will go with our social worker uh, and then those people who have been uh, given a diagnosis of dementia uh, stay with myself um, and we support one another um, because oftentimes we've heard that people who are given a dementia diagnosis don't often have a support group for themselves. Um, and so this is a really nice time to just check in with one another and see how they do, how, you know, one another is doing. We laugh. Um, we talk about our hobbies. We talk about our pastime. We talk about what we've learned that day um, and what we want to share with others. So that 10-week series is hopefully setting them to be empowered going forward um, that they've thought a lot about different situations and state their state their wants and needs at this time so that we have more confidence going into the future about what the person would want. I think that's great. And I, I love building that sense of community and uh, that peer support. I think that's so critical uh, to me. That's just uh, life changing for people. I wish you know, my mom's been gone for um, five years, but she lived with it for 30. And I would have loved to have had something like that to go to, just to not feel alone and to realize that um, 
that you know more than you think you do, and you can always share that with others, but you're, you're also, you know, five, 10 steps behind somebody else who then is willing to share and teach you and guide you as well, which is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, we have found out because the, this 10 week series is a, such a, you know, it's a smaller group that those friendships continue, like you said, and they know that they're not alone and that they're all in similar places um, in the earlier diagnosis. And so those continued friendships and support continue to build. In fact, we usually have a reunion of our Shaping Your Tomorrow series at least once a year for anyone who has participated. And it's really nice to see everybody come back. But oftentimes they continue to stay in touch with those people that have gone through the series together. Yeah. Do you see them graduate to like memory cafes and feeling more comfortable getting involved in some of those things earlier? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, memory cafes, our last class in Shaping Your Tomorrow is staying connected. And so that's the time where we bring up all of the resources and the places that they, um, that there's a safe place. Um, and the memory cafes, we have four in Washington County, um, are a great place to continue those meetups, um, as well as just having that social time to be in a safe place with other people um, and enjoying your time together. So yeah, our memory cafes are a huge hit and just a lot of fun of bringing community members together. Great. Are you listed, do you know, on the memory cafe directory list at all? We are. Okay, good. Cause it's, we are. That's, I love that. That website is just a great website. Yeah, Dave's done a nice job, and now he's he's highlighting the ones that are going virtual for people as well. Yes, so that they can join on that. So um, that's that's fantastic. Now, what about people that you know might not be in the Twin Cities metro area or Western Wisconsin? Do you have kinds of support for people who might not be close to a family means location? Yeah, and we always recommend to continue to call us even though you may not be close to us um, because we do have different networks that we can hopefully connect a caregiver to a caregiver service um, in the Twin Cities just alone in the Twin Cities we have the MCSC it's the Metropolitan Caregiver Service Collaboration a lot of words um, but it's basically all of the smaller caregiving and aging agencies in the metro area that do similar work and so we're able to connect people if you are out of state um, and I suppose in state as well on our website which is just familymeans.org we have two different tools that can be utilized uh, one is called the care fit report and the second one is the memory and thinking report and those reports are often done by caregivers um, or those who are concerned for somebody. And it just helps to, it, it's an assessment that can help you paint a picture of what is going on around you. And then you are given a report after you complete those 21 questions, which allow you the opportunity to, as I said, paint that picture of what is happening. So you have a better idea of what you're seeing as a priority uh, and where your concerns might be. Oh, fantastic. That sounds wonderful. <clears throat> Absolutely wonderful. Um, 
how how are you guys managing to help promote you know and help people with dementia and their care partners during this time of, of social distancing with the coronavirus? Yeah, so we started two weeks ago working remotely from home, um, but we're given that about two weeks to prepare for that, which was a good opportunity for us to come together. Um, like many other organizations, we now have a Zoom account uh, that is secure, that we can still have those, instead of the memory cafe, we're calling them um, coffee connections, uh, to continue to connect with one another. As, and then we are doing our virtual, we're doing virtual support groups as well. Um, this is a time that is surreal to all of us. Uh, and just naming that and listening to all of our clients and how they're doing. Um, obviously, everybody's making a lot of phone calls, uh, just like all of our staff are, making sure that people are doing okay and trying to um, provide resources and weekly tip sheets of different things that they may not um, have thought about. And the, the web is wonderful. There's just so much information that we try to kind of whittle it down um, and give them some really good sites that they may um, benefit from. But then we also have to think about those who aren't technology savvy or don't even use the internet because maybe they're in a rural location. And so before we left, um, we got a stack of cards and a stack of stamps um, and we're writing letters. Um, we're encouraging our volunteers to drop things in the mail um, if it's a respite volunteer and um, kind of just going back to those opportunities to look at all of the ways that we can connect both online as well as offline. Yeah, I think that's really important. I, that's one thing I wish I would see more um, communities ask for is um, cards and letters to come to the community and connecting intergenerational and and maybe even having um, volunteers do some some calling um, so that mm. people can chat because uh, I'm I'm hearing from people inside, that's something that they would really appreciate a lot. And I know staff is stretched with all that is going on, but I think that, I, I think the community really does want to help, but they sometimes just need more direction, even with people making masks. And then they're like, well, no, I, now I don't know what to do with them. You know, if we had a coordinated effort to be able to get those out to people, even if they just swung by and um and picked some up you know they were in little baggies or something people could people could get out and do their social distance but still get one or uh, i was talking with um, the city manager of roseville the other day and i said you know could the police use those even when they go out on calls and just ask people that they're talking to to put one on and then they get to keep them you know just to get them distributed and to try to keep everybody safe even though they're not the N95s, um, you know, they're supposed to help with the spread um, as a whole. So I think um, these grocery stores and some of the big box stores and the gas stations, all of those things could could use stuff, but people don't quite know how to how to disperse stuff or if they're wanted or needed and and uh, and things. So it'll be interesting to see if that comes, you know, formally in place 
I know they're recommending that people, you know, wear a mask, but that it's not necessarily enforced either. So um, it's going to be interesting over time where this brings us and how long it lasts and does it come back. And it just seems like um, our world is significantly going to change on multiple levels um, from this. And Absolutely. Uh, and I think there's a lot of really good things happening. I think, you know, by doing the virtual stuff, we're going to connect with people that wouldn't have connected before because it was just too much work to maybe try to get out um, with a loved one if they were caring for them at home. Are you hearing um, conversations at all? I know in Minnesota, you know, they announced which communities had the COVID in it. And I know a lot of families are wondering, you know, should I pull somebody out? and and bring them home and, and other people are saying this is getting to be too much now that I don't have adult day or I don't have my other resources and they're looking to place. What are, what are your thoughts and what are you hearing about both of those conversations? Yeah. Um, and it's such a good, it's a good conversation to have and there's no right answer um, because every every situation is different, but kind of just, yeah, making sure that you weigh the odds of what is really, uh, what am I able to do and what, what am I not able to do and being realistic about that. Um, I know our social workers do a lot of coaching and consultation and there's been a theory um, of fright um, around knowing that there might be a diagnosis of COVID in a long-term care setting that their parent, you know, lives at. And um, so there is that initial fear. But I also think it's an opportunity to um, commend the long-term care on all of the work that they are doing um, because they are being stretched. Um, but also knowing that things are possible um, to help out. And even if you can't go inside, um, singing, singing outside and letting the seniors listen to you or doing um, chalk around the building to let people know that they, um, that they are thought of and that they're being cared for, I think can also help the community still connect to people, even though they aren't able to see them. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I had a a friend of mine's brother, um, their mom was in a, a nursing home and mom was on the second floor. So a few times he's taken his ladder over there and, and crawled up to see his mom. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if they, you know, want that liability <laughs> and stuff. And, uh, but he, he was able to, to go ahead and, and do that. And um, I don't know if they authorized it or if he just didn't get caught. Doing it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, people are getting creative in terms of, of how to connect in the ways. And I love the singing from the balconies. And as the weather gets a little warmer, um, I'm sure we'll see more of those types of things uh, going on. Yep. And it's really, it is, it's looking at those small things because those small things do make a difference. And then sharing what they are. Sometimes they can be as easy as calling your parents in you know, especially if they're not in your house and doing a crossword puzzle together. Yep. You know, we think of all those things that we do independently reading the newspaper. Well, I'm going to call my dad and I'm going to read the newspaper to him because I can't see him, but this is something that we can share and do together. And so it's kind of broad, broadening 
what we do on a daily basis to include others, I think will also help with that social isolation. Yeah, I agree. North St. Paul here, my daughter just uh, texted me something a little bit ago, and it's and I didn't get to read the whole thing, so I could be mistaken, but I think the gist of it was they're going to pick a day and they're going to have all the little kids um, do a parade through the neighborhood and, um, you know, dress up and they'll do their social distancing if they're walking or riding a bike or whatever. But how fun would that be to do around a community to, you know, um, they'd get a, a kick out of that. And, you know, you'd want to see if you could go all the way around the building. So people on the backside um, would be mm-hmm. as well. But, you know, there's just a lot of really cool creative creative moments that are that are happening. Um, Jenny, yeah. is there anything that we didn't discuss that you want to make sure that we talk about? Well, another new program that we just started this year um, is called Community Connection. And this Community Connection is a little bit different focus because it's for the individual who has the memory loss diagnosis. Um, because what we were hearing from our Shaping Your Tomorrow and our memory cafes is, but I'm still able to do things, but I just want to make sure I'm doing them right out in the community. You know, I still want to volunteer, but I just want to make sure that I don't make any mistakes. And so as we were listening to people who had a dementia diagnosis share with us some of their frustrations, um, we came up with Community Connection, which is a six-week series, and it's an opportunity for the person who has the diagnosis to explore new places in their community in a safe setting with with staff and volunteers from Family Means, um, engage with others who have a memory loss diagnosis as well, but then also connect into the community. And so we were able to do our first series um, back in February, and it was around creative art in Stillwater. And it was a great opportunity. We brought in artists that came in and we whittled wood. We made a, a, a butter spreader. Um, we did mosaic, paper mosaic, uh, and we did watercolor painting and doodling. But what we also did too is we had an activity around our, um, our community loop which is a small van that will um, every week will bring you around the loop of Stillwater and you can access it for $3. And we took that loop down to ArtReach St. Croix and then we took a tour um, and met the artist who had items on display and then rode that loop back to Family Means. And so the Community Connection Series is intentionally put out into the community because we want them to utilize those community loops or even going to the museum, we want to make sure that they know how to do it and they're doing it with others so it's more enjoyable. But going into the future, that is something that they could also do on their own. And so we're looking at other partnerships. Um, We had one coming up in April, which will now be postponed, um, but that will be taking place at the Washington County Historic Courthouse. Um, And so and we're going to be looking at history um, and writing personal stories. And so the community connection is an opportunity for somebody who does have that diagnosis to, again, be with others who might be in a similar situation so that they can build that network of support too. So we're really excited about that for this year. 
Oh, that sounds wonderful. That sounds absolutely fantastic. I think much needed and will really be appreciated because everybody wants to feel purposeful and connected and and uh, absolutely yeah so that's uh and what a great name for that community connection that's yeah and it's a great way that they continue to learn i mean we are all learners at every age at every stage um and so having that opportunity to um, engage and try something new but in a safe place um we're pretty excited to have that as an opportunity Right. Now, with, you know, a lot of your programs, I mean, they just sound really neat. Are you open to having people reach out to you or are these all proprietary? And um, how, do, how does that work? Because uh, I think there'll be yeah. people interested in the types of things that you've designed. Yeah, no, please reach out. Um, I know you have our contact information in my email and I'm happy to field any question that somebody may have um, and, and connect them to the right resource. Um, we don't do everything, but we have good relationships with other community members um, and agencies that hopefully we can get you to that right resource. Oh, that's fantastic. And people can go to your website, which is familymeans.org, familymeans.org. And you're also on Facebook as Family Means or Twitter at family and then underscore means. Um, and then you have a YouTube channel too, um, which has some great information. And um, they can always reach out by phone, which is 651-789-4017. And Jenny, do you mind giving out your um, email? I, I listed, I posted it in the places I needed to, but I guess I didn't put it in my notes here. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, my email is just jwest, W-E-S-T, at familymeans.org. Okay. And we would be happy to help, you know, for, for, any, for any caregiver, for any, anybody who suspects that they might have a memory loss diagnosis. You know, that can be a scary thing, too, where our social workers are able to do um, a brief 10-minute screening. It is not a diagnosis, um, but it's an opportunity to kind of look um, at their brain. You know, we always talk about knowing your numbers of your, your waist and your blood pressure, um, and so why not know your brain number as well? Exactly, exactly. And there's so much more help out there than there used to be. And, you know, the conversation isn't hidden in the closet so much anymore. Um, it's, it's amazing how many people are talking about this, how many people are living it, and uh, others that are concerned and, and want to help uh, with this. So it's wonderful to get connected to that sense of community to have have that support. So Jenny, I thank you so much for, for your time and all the work that you and your colleagues are doing at Family Means. It's really making a difference. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it, Lori. In closing, I just wanna say thank you. And we look forward to our next program where we can bring sound information in these confusing times to people all around the world sharing this journey. Bye now. Well, hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? 
Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.